Welcome to another podcast from Best Self Magazine, the leading voice for self-empowerment, holistic health, and authentic living. Regina Thomas-Shower, who shall forever forward be known as Mama Gina, is a revolution, a teacher, author, mother, and founder and CEO of the School of Womenly Arts, which began in her living room in 1998 and has since grown into a global movement and a multi-million dollar business. She believes, and I love this, she believes that women are the greatest untapped resource on the planet, and she teaches them how to turn on their innate feminine power to step it up and to create a life they love. She has appeared everywhere across mainstream media as an expert in modern feminism from NBC's Today Show, 2020 to the New York Times, and across pages of glossy magazines. She is the author of four books, most recently, the New York Times bestseller, Pussy, a Reclamation. Thank you, Regina, for sitting down with Best Self today, for inviting us into your home, for inviting us into this journey, into this uh, journey of your work, the story that's led to here and to this movement. I'm thrilled to be here with you on this couch and have a chance to impact your incredible audience and kind of weave together with the magic you create and see what kind of doors we can blow open for men and women with our collaboration. Oh, I think we're going to blow some doors open today. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it, sister. So let's just cut to it. I'm going to just cut right to this book, Mm -hmm. okay? This book, which, as I said, matches the wallpaper, Pussy (laughs) Reclamation. (laughs) Clearly, we have to start with the title. Pussy, a reclamation. As you say, um, and I'm quoting from the book, it may be the most pejorative word in the English language. It's the ultimate salacious smack to a woman's dignity, used to hurt, humiliate, and fracture her humanity. Pussy is the lowest of the lows for men as well. Essentially, it's the last thing any of us want to be called. What possessed you to call your new book Pussy? And what was your intention and goal with this book? Mm. I suppose ultimately the, the quick answer is I'm badass provocateur. Yeah. And my intention was to, you know, just like any expletive used effectively, it serves as a smack upside the head of a culture that disparages and dehumanizes and ignores does not value the feminine. And so it's a wake up call, really. Right. It's time for women to wake up and step into their magnificence because no one's going to give us permission. It's an inside job. A woman has to awaken to her own magnificence in order for the world to then follow, especially now, especially in this culture, uh, the voice of the feminine is so longed for and so required and so needed to bring the culture forward. So I'm proud of standing in a radical spot of awakening. And my intention was to invite people to be both pissed off with me Mm -hmm. and um, scared and ultimately excited excited and inspired Mm -hmm. and to break through a new form of feminism, which is about embracing the whole woman and not ignoring her sensuality. Well, there's a lot I want to go through in the book because you you cover, you cover a lot of ground, but first of all, I just, just want to make sure that people understand that this is, they think of the word pussy and I want to make sure they understand that this is not about being pornographic. It's not about being anti-male, right? Yeah, uh, pussy is, um, you know, let's look at the culture. I teach uh, classes for thousands and thousands of women over the last 20 years, and men as well, because mm-hmm. uh, part of the School of Women, the Arts Mastery Program, the men of the women are invited. When I ask a room full of women, what did your bits and pieces get called when you were growing up? <laughs> yeah. There are a fascinating array of answers. You know, we've got... Um, Kitty, cuckoo, pee-pee, yeah, uh, purse, little princess, knish, uh, coochie, and that's you know 
maybe about a third of the room. Right. Another third will say, uh, you know, privates down there. And then a small, a handful of women will say vagina, which is anatomically incorrect. At Can you least, give them the right word? Yeah, well, <laughs> I will. At least a third to a half of the women will say nothing. There was no name, no name for that which is most essentially feminine. The source of a woman's power is knowing how to locate and stand inside of her anatomy. And so there's no name. Now, if I have a, a room full of, you know, a thousand men, I say, what did your bits and pieces get called? They say, penis, what's your problem? Right. Like, hello. So we, as women, never have had an opportunity to locate and own the name and address of that which connects us to our bodies and to our divinity. Because as women, we create life. So the true anatomical term for the exterior genitalia is vulva. And that's what I taught my little girl when she was growing up. Uh, so pussy isn't a word that I would, you know, speak of, let's say, when I was raising my daughter, although she knew the name of her vulva and she knew where her clitoris was from the time she was two years old because I wanted her to own her body. Because when a woman does not own her body, someone else does. Right. And then there's a shame. Oh, completely. That? Completely. And that's that, that's the key, that word you just said. Because when I'll say to, the, you know, have this discussion right away, when there's hedging or a feeling of embarrassment, there's no name to identify the heartbeat of your feminine reality, you feel ashamed of being a woman. Now, what happens when you feel ashamed? You're disconnected, not just from your femininity, but you're ashamed to be a girl in a classroom. You're ashamed to raise your hand and risk an answer. You're ashamed to ask for what it is you want and need. So that shame perfumes every aspect of a woman's life. And we have an epidemic of self-doubt, self-hatred, self-deprecation. One in four women is gonna experience depression in her life. Only one in five will seek treatment. There's eating disorders that women have. It's two in 10 with breast cancer. It's one in 10 women is going to experience um, heart disease. So there's all kinds of shame-based, cortisol-based physical problems that happen when a woman lives her life in shame because she has never been given a name, not even a name to begin to value who she is on this planet. And that is a huge omission that this book was created to correct. So you knew you needed to call it something that was just going to like, bam, bam, I'm here. It's time to wake up. Yeah. Well, you, I had heard you in an interview and this was uh, prior to the release of the book. And you were even saying that you were kind of worried about what you were going to even tell you. You're like, I have to tell my mom I've named this book. I have to tell my teenage so daughter. So, so how, did, how did that go down with oh your God. mom and your daughter? Okay. <laughs> I didn't really want to call it. I really didn't. <laughs> it's scary but to bam. write a book. It's right. so scary because you're putting your life on the page to be. And my daughter was just going to college when the book was coming out. And I thought, oh, that's all she needs. Right. Is to be like everyone on campus saying, oh, great. Uh, your mom wrote, yeah, you're the pussy girl, right? Oh, my God. And my mama also. So it was just, I had to really reconcile, like, you know, my love for these women who are so close to me. And then also my purpose, like, what am I here for? Like my mission is to awaken women, to turn women on, to have women truly live rather than play small. Right. And so I thought, well, I, I must model that. So, uh, and I have a really good friend named Marie Forleo and I ended up running over to her house, like crying. And she was like, you know, you need a girlfriend to stand for you. And she just really stood for me. And she, uh, and she was like, you got to do this. This is your And we're going to stand with you. And we're going to stand with you. And right. she stood with me and along with all my other girlfriends at that time. Right. And I hit, in the first week that book was out, we hit the New York Times bestseller list. Okay. <laughs> I know. I, all right. Now, first, I was going to get to that because first of all, well, for, well Number one, I, you can see it's weathered and worn because I've had it with me Thank everywhere. You. 
I love the book. It's it's a magnificent book. Thank I you. was I'll be honest with you. I was a little like a pussy. I, I'm I glad. Know, but I I also was interested in my reaction to it, and I have traveled with it. I've had mm-hmm. it on. Planes, trains, restaurants. With the cover. Yeah, you can see it. Planes, because you trains. see what I did was I made it a little more mysterious underneath right. because I wanted right. to make sure. And the, the pussy underneath is in gold, so it's right. not as... I was thinking about that. But you know what? I left that cover on. <laughs> so here I was, and I thought, I have to check in with why I'm being sensitive about this. Yes. Yeah. So I left it on the table when I was sitting in a restaurant <laughs> drinking my coffee, you know, whatever it was. Or I was on the treadmill in the gym, <laughs> you know. Um, and I got some, you know, some exercise. But, That's but it, good. But it also, it made me check in. Yeah. I always felt like, mm-hmm. well, I'm, I'm so in touch with myself and I'm in yeah. command. And I, so it was, yeah. it was a great call to arms. But I want to go back also to what you just said because you were banned on Facebook and the book came out and you went right to New York Times yeah. best selling list. Yeah. So I want to know, one, how you ever talked a publisher into naming a book Pussy. Yes. And two, how you timed it with a certain video yes. about Donald Trump yes. uh, grabbing women's pussies. I yeah. mean, the same week. Okay. And then a couple the, months later, we have marches and yes. pink pussy pussy hats. hats. So it's yes. like an the, idea whose time has come. Yes, exactly. All right, this is the story. Like, when I say pussy, <laughs> I am not talking about pornographic pussy. Right. I'm talking about pussy is a way of walking in possession of yourself. It's a way of standing in a power that is untouchable because you are so connected to your deepest intuition, embodied, feeling a profound sense of who you are that is so vulnerable and yet so impenetrable because of its vulnerability, where you are in a place of being so essentially you, turned on rather than turned off, because most of the women in this culture have been taught to turn off our sensual truth and our Mm -hmm. sensual light. You're connected to your deepest intuition. You are uh, sensitive to your body, yourself. You are listening to your, people would call it intuition, but it's deeper. Pussy's deeper than that, because if you think about it, the clitoris, the 8,000 nerve endings, integrates more information than any other part of your body. If you're tuned into your pussy, you're integrating information from your conscious, your unconscious, your peripheral nervous system, your neocortex, and your hypothalamus. So all of that is working on your behalf like a proper little brain, sensing, empowering you. And you know, women have this thing where you can kind of, when you're feeling really truly yourself, you can kind of sense like, hmm, I really want to talk, you know, I haven't talked to my friend blah, 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 in a while. Mm-hmm. And then the phone rings. There's something operating tuned in. where you are so tuned in mm-hmm. or you get to the subway subway platform, the train comes. Right. Right. You All green lights. Yeah. You yeah. And you, can, you know that thing with the green lights where you're just so in one with yourself that the green lights happen. And so there's what um, I have been teaching this content for you know over 20 years so at this point my pussy is on high volume and so i don't really have a choice i gotta listen and so when it became really clear that that was the only title for this book i knew who i wanted my publisher to be i only pitched it to two uh publishing houses Uh, And so I sat down with them and I was like, look, this is the story. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm bringing to the table. And everyone said yes to me, which so shocked me. Right. I was like, I thought I was going to have to fight about this. And then when the book came out, it was the next week, Donald Trump was um, offending women internationally. I mean, to be alive with a sexual predator in the White House is we live in extraordinary times that are making extraordinary demands of both men and women. Mm -hmm. And so this book hit at the perfect time where I was, the Washington Post 
called me for an interview. The most conservative newspaper in this country called me to interview me and say, what up with the pussy? And they're, and they're publishing, like, <laughs> I was just like, thank you, great pussy in the sky. And you couldn't probably have even imagined, even no. when you were like, okay, God, really? I'm gonna have to call it this? And no. All right, I'll do it. But like, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the amazing stuff that unfolds. Right? And this is what's available, mm -hmm. not just for me. It's available for every woman who listens to her truth. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so excited about this book, because it's a roadmap for a woman to start connecting to her deepest intuition and then making those relevant actions, which will only take everyone in her world higher. When women are living piped into their truth, it is the best ally that man or woman, woman could have, because when a woman is shut down, she is not listening to her intuition. She's cutting that off. She's compromising. And then all she is is angry at the world. Right. And that's extremely unpleasant woman to be around. Right. Both for men and women. Right. We all have girlfriends like that. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I also think the culture we live in, we don't even realize how we've distanced ourselves mm -hmm. and how, you know, what part of us is turned on and what part of us isn't. Mm -hmm. And when I say turn on, I'm referring to those intuitive powers and, and, you know, that, that intuition and connection to the world mm -hmm. around us. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do want to go back, um, because I was so fascinated in the book when you talked about your childhood and you said that the job description for woman was nothing I wanted to sign up for. Mm -hmm. Delicious wasn't a word I associated with being a woman. What I saw in my mother's life and in the lives of the other women in the neighborhood was nothing I wanted for myself. I saw women who were self-sacrificing, who ignored their own needs, who gave up their own happiness. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, if you think about it, women learn to compromise before they learn to come. Mm -hmm. I'm quoting an incredible woman named Claire Cavanaugh right now, who runs a great shop downtown called Toys in Babeland. Uh, and I love that comment because it speaks to the legacy of what we are taught about women. We're taught to take care of our husbands, take care of our families, take care of our kids, take care of our bosses, take care of everyone in the world. Mm -hmm. And then the crumbs, whatever crumbs are left, they're for us. And yet we're supposed to provide magnificence wherever we encounter. And, and women have, have learned to say yes to this level of compromise. Your boss wants you to work late? Sure, absolutely. I would love to work. I'm sure I'll get in early. I'll work late. I'll take on another project. And you can pay me so, you know, less. <laughs> well, we make, uh, you know, white women, 70 cents on the dollar. Right. African-American women, uh, 63 cents on the dollar. Hispanic women, 53 cents on the dollar. We're already compromising. We haven't even got our paycheck yet. So this level of accepting less as enough it's, it's never going to work, not for men or for women. So when a woman reverses that and begins to pay attention to her body and to her feelings and to her intuition, then when she's asked to go into a, you know, job interview at a cube farm with fluorescent lighting, that's going to make her work 14 hours a day. And then she's going to come home and thaw out a pizza for her husband and kids and get no breadcrumbs that week, like her intuition will have her say, no, that's not gonna happen for me. I'm gonna pursue something further. I'm gonna plant my dream in different soil. I'm gonna stand for something better. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really key for a woman to begin to pay attention to her pleasure above all other values. Why? Because when she can breathe that sweet, clean air of taking care of herself, even in small microwaves, she begins to fill out her sails differently and stand for herself in the world and guarantee her own happiness. And then she changes not only her trajectory, but the future of the girls of today, the women of tomorrow. She begins when her pleasure is handled, she's a true partner with her man. She is, it changes her mothering because she's not angry all the time. It's a whole different 
paradigm, a different portal from which to live. So I'm extremely vigilant, both about my pleasure, but making sure that women understand the importance of that. Well, I also just want to make sure we, we clarify that pleasure is power. Mm-hmm. And pleasure comes, it's not just sexual pleasure, it comes in the form of of ritual, buying a beautiful face cream for yourself, taking mm-hmm. uh, languishing in a bath with candles, mm-hmm. buying yourself flowers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's choosing to value yourself. Right. And as women, we have not recognized that we have never given that choice. Mm-hmm. We were always aphids feeding the ant colony. We were always in a less than position in service to the patriarchal values. And so for a woman to begin to realize, wow, I am divine. She who bleeds but does not die and gives life. That is who I am. I am the life giver. Mm-hmm. And I just, in order to live my fullness, in order to live the full dimensional truth of what it means to be a woman, 8,000 nerve endings dedicated to pleasure. Like I am not a creature of service. I am not uh, to be placed in a yoke and taking care of others. I must explore every dimension of my magnificence, the way I flirt, the way I dance, the way I stand inside my value. And that is a whole world away from where most women live. Mm-hmm. And it's worthy of exploration. You also had, uh, this This um, really got to me, was the, the, the Grimm's fairy tale of <laughs> the handless maiden. Oh, God. Yeah. Because that, that also displays, it's, yeah. some, it's such a common thread where women forget their power. Mm-hmm. They really forget their power. Like it displays the unfortunate truth that a woman um, will often not step into that power. It, she won't do it for herself, yeah. but she'll do it on behalf of another. Like yeah. if, if, if I call you, you're going to show up for me. Yeah. Or, you know, I think the example in, in the, the fairy tale was um, there's nothing like the power of a mother, like do not mess right. with a mama and her babies. Right. Right. And so this fairy tale, which shows this incredible way a woman can show up and yet it takes doing it on behalf of someone else Mm -hmm. for her to recognize, oh, I could do that? I'm that powerful? Yeah. The Handless Maiden, very quickly, for those of you who don't, haven't experienced that fairy tale, is a girl, her father, in order to, in exchange for financial success, promises to give the devil his daughter And then when the devil comes to collect the daughter, he cuts off her hands and gives those to the devil and keeps his handless daughter. Uh, And she's powerless in her life because she has no hands, but marries the handsome prince, has a baby. And it's only when the baby falls in harm's way that she goes to rescue the baby and her hands restore. And so many women have a sense of powerlessness, Mm -hmm. but it's not just the handless maiden. Right. I kept my daughter from ever seeing a Disney film. There was no Cinderella in my house. There's no Snow White. No Prince Charming. There was no Little Mermaid, but it didn't matter because right. she saw them at all for friend's right. house. But all of those stories are about, uh, you know, Cinderella. She has to fit into the glass slipper so that the prince will love her. Snow White, she's completely unconscious until the prince kisses her, and then he takes her to his castle, living his dreams. Little Mermaid, she actually commits suicide because even though she's traded her voice for her legs so that the prince could love her, he doesn't love her, he falls in love with another, and then she jumps into the water and becomes sea foam because she's not attractive enough. And we wonder why not women enough, are so enough, crazy. Right. <laughs> We're always right. trying to like fit in or look differently or give up something to receive love. Like it's just a nightmare out there. So what do you want women to reclaim? Their pussy, which is so vulgar, I know. So vulgar, but but it's you know, it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. It's to understand that we as women have a sense of our own divinity that's connected to this incredible body that gives life, that our feelings, the range of our feelings, it's not for us to dial down those feelings, although although the culture does encourage us to do that, 
but the range of a woman's emotion is as breathtaking as, and beautiful as the range of mother nature. Just like it's gorgeous uh, on Friday when it was just like, it was relentless rain and it's magnificent sunshine today. And every aspect of the weather is beautiful and necessary for growth. Mm -hmm. Every aspect of a woman's emotional range is imperative for her presenting herself and her evolving as a woman from the most intense rupture that throws her flat on the ground to ecstasy. In, in fact, the degree to which a woman can rupture is the degree to which she can live her radiant happiness and magnificence. It's really important for women to connect to their intuition, their intuitive power, to connect to their voice, to connect to saying what is their truth. Women are so powerful in terms of creating and standing for community. It's not just rugged individualism that's important to a woman. The first thing she wants when something beautiful happens to her is to tell everyone in her world about it so that they can be all enhanced and uplifted along with her. All that is feminine is unknown in this world because the dominating culture is patriarchal. So we understand the values the limiting values of the masculine that kind of run the world right now of rugged individualism. Everyone is on their own. Profit is the goal. Me, me, work, work, me, work work work, 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 work. Right. And for uh, to begin to bring those feminine values into the culture will create a balance that is so wonderful for everybody because there's masculine and feminine inside both men and women. So we want to just bring ourselves and the world into more balance. In ancient societies, people revered the feminine. They mm -hmm. revered, they knew how the feminine was sacred. And I just want to know how the patriarchal society sort of took over and why the hell we went along for that ride. Like what happened? I think there's no way to find out. Yeah. We would have to like take a little time bubble and go back in time. Uh, but I didn't know those stories that you shared. And they're amazing. fascinating stories. Amazing. Fascinating. I agree. I was so shocked when I learned. I mean, Ryan Eisler was the first opening. She wrote an incredible book called Sacred Pleasure, The um, Chalice and the Blade. So she, uh, and then also the work of Maria Gambudis, the work of Joseph Campbell. And I started to begin to be aware of this ancient goddess tradition that all of us are from. There was a time you and I were both bowing before the divine feminine. And why not? Because originally, you know, back, this is prehistoric times, we didn't even know guys were involved in the creation of life. You know, it just seemed that somehow magnificently a woman's body would swell and a baby would appear and what more profound moment is there to revere, but she who creates life. Mm -hmm. So the feminine was worshiped. If you and I were to go into a little time bubble and we would go back to ancient Egypt around crop planting time. <laughs> I love this story. And we, there we would be in our little, in you our know, skirts. in our skirts. <laughs> And uh, we would stand on the edge of the field with all the Egyptian women. And then we would pick up our skirts and we'd flash our pussies at the earth and we would beseech the earth, may these crops grow as high as our pussies. And why not? Because that was earth, life. Life force. Blessing right. the earth. If we were in Russia, even 200 years ago, and we were being chased by a bear, uh, we would just, how we would stop that was we would simply flash our pussies at the bear and the bear would be like, ah, and run back. In the now, I don't know if I'm going to test that one out. <laughs> if we were seaside right. in uh, Ireland, in any, any sea, sea going town, you know, a thousand years ago, and our husbands were going out to capture the fish for the day, we would flash our pussies at the sea to make a calm voyage. Mm -hmm. And if we were angry at our husbands, we would pee in the sea and that would create a storm. So there was, so women were thought to have so much power in the matter of life 
creation, protection. There's this prehistoric painting um, on the side of a cave that shows a hunter uh, capturing prey. And if you follow the arrow, it goes directly to a drawing of his woman's vulva, that he knew the power came from her mm -hmm. uh, to allow him to be effective in the world and to you know, bring food home. So it was uh, a, a different way of being. And now women are absolutely ignored, taken out of the playing. There's no women in, there's no church. Well, everything is, uh, you know, you know, we're messy. We, we have problems. You know, it's like everything about us is, it, it, it doesn't feel sacred. Mm -hmm. While I was reading that, I was fascinated by those stories. And, and I thought, when did the disconnect happen? How? Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? Because you also mentioned really just about um, the set point of women now in culture and how we actually have lost a lot in trying to gain in a man's world. Mm -hmm. you know, like particularly that made me think of, you know, the corporate world. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Well, if you think about it, what do you have to do to fit into a corporate world? You have to suit up. You know, it's right. kind of zip into a little man suit. Right. And it's actually, if you interview women who are leaders in the corporate world, it was Atlantic Monthly, the uh, front page article, uh, why is Silicon Valley so unfriendly to women, so hostile to women? And then the very few women that are effective there, what they had to do, how they had to man up right. to push through. Even the language we use now, you know, we have to man up, mm -hmm. we have to suit up. Mm -hmm. um, just the pejorative terms. Even someone just said recently something about, it was actually in, in real, a joke about my son saying, oh, he's whipped. Ooh. Because, and I said, hold on a second, I'm raising a young man to value and to express his um, feelings yeah. and to be in a loving relationship and to be able to honor a woman and the woman that he's in that relationship with, which, mm -hmm. which in turn allows him to have his feelings. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if he's demonstrative, I remember when he was first dating this, this young woman, you know, I even was thinking like, Oh, come on, you got to play it a little hard to get. You've got it. And then I thought, stop, right. These are sort of cultural norms that we accept. So like saying things like, you know, you're whipped or you're a mm -hmm. pussy or man mm -hmm. up or suit up. Think we have to think about, we have to own the language we're using. Absolutely. Absolutely. Trevor Noah has this wonderful clip in his new, show, which is on Netflix, where he says, you know, if you think about it, like pussies are actually so strong. They push out babies, they <laughs> bleed every month. And then they, this perfect ecosystem, whereas right. like, you know, a, a, a cock, like if you just like, if it just gets in a cold temperature, it shrinks. And <laughs> if somebody kind of gives it the elbow accidentally, it's like in agony, whereas the structure of the feminine is, is so much more enduring and powerful. But it's, the truth is that women have been taught that they have to like unsuit from everything feminine. And we don't, and we put a stop to our mm -hmm. own broad emotional truth. Like we shut our sensuality down because we're, we think that it's not welcome or, we're uh, criticized or degraded or, you know, told that we're sluts if we feel or behave in a way that's living into our sensual light. So it's a complicated thing. You actually have to be a badass to live your truth and to recreate a world where the feminine is valued and honored. And you have to lead. There's only one way to do it, and that's by leading that way. Well, we have to get really cognizant of that because... Number one, we have to start having a new, we have to have a paradigm shift and a new conversation with our young, young women. Mm -hmm. Because for example, nobody was telling me any of these things when I was growing mm -hmm. up. Nobody was telling me mm -hmm. about intuition. No one was telling me to trust myself. Mm -hmm. No one was telling me about sex. No one was telling me what to call anything. Do you know what I mean? It was mm -hmm. like on the job training. You just, exactly. had figure, you had to figure it out. So we have to have a conversation for our young girls yeah. so that they're just brought up in this culture. Yeah. Then we have to have a conversation to reroute women who already have, have sort of like um, subscribed to this mm -hmm. pre-existing paradigm. Right. And then we have to think about the future. That's right. And that's why my, the classes at the School of Womanly Arts are all by women, for women, about women. It is the feminine because 
it's not like a man can really teach a woman how to woman up. Right. It's a woman to woman to woman. And we used to be taught by our aunties, our mamas, our grandmas, where we're, we're all the family, we're, you know, we live together with our families. And we were taught to value the feminine. And now that's not the case. So that's why in the school, it's women of all ages from 18 to their 80s or older. And I was going to say that, what is it, 18? I, I was reading something, you said 18 to 92. But So before we get into the school, because I really want to talk about the school, this is like really in reference to what our current set point is, mm-hmm. which is stress and self-doubt and, mm-hmm. and, and self-hatred. And I think, again, some of those words sound really intense and a lot of women might say, well, I don't, you know, I'm not really experiencing that, but, but, but they are, mm-hmm. right? I was really fascinated when you brought in the courtesan. I'd love for you to tell how, what, what the role the courtesan has played for you and, and then leading into the School of Womenly Arts, I'd love for you to, to talk about the brownstone and how you took a courtesan, courtesan leap of faith okay. when, with the school. All right, great. How I started the School of Womanly Arts was literally when I, my daughter was born. I'm sure you felt the same way when you gave birth to your son. I felt so much a sense of responsibility to the girls of today, to the women of tomorrow, to what was I doing as a woman to make sure that the world understood who and what a woman is. I felt so much responsibility and gratitude to my ancestresses for making me possible. And for the first time kind of understanding what that meant in a new way. And when I was trying to figure out nursing, there was a movie called Dangerous Beauty that happened to be on TV while I was trying to hold the baby and figure it all out. So the thing was playing and it was the story of a woman in Venice in the 14th century and her mother Uh, In those days, women were completely powerless. They were property. They had no ability to own money or own land or be in any way self-determining. And especially if you did not have money, the choice was the convent or to be a courtesan. So there was a scene where the mother was um, giving the daughter a bath. And she said, if you want to give pleasure, you must know pleasure. And I was like, oh my God, like women, we know nothing about our own pleasure. No one teaches us about our own pleasure. And yet we're supposed to take care of our husbands, our families, our bosses. We're supposed to be able to provide all of this for others. And yet we don't do the investigation or the research on our own. A woman is so often preparing the chicken fingers or the whatever pasta. She hasn't even taken a shower. Exactly. Yeah. And, she right. does, and then she's eating them. Right. Instead of ever saying like, well, what would I have liked to have had for dinner tonight? What would have right. pleased me? So that inspired me to begin to research the courtesan and what that meant, because I saw that there was a discipline of woman at one time that prioritized uncovering the practice of what it meant to be a woman. And in that research, I located uh, the work of Susan Griffin, who's an academic from uh, the West Coast, and she wrote the book of the courtesans, a phenomenal book. And in reading that book, and I learned that it was actually the courtesan that gave rise to feminism. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the courtesans were living in a time when women absolutely had no political power, no personal power, except if you were a courtesan, you were permitted to be educated. You were permitted to read books, write poetry. You were permitted to learn things that would music, music, art, art, sword play, riding a horse, things that were kept from women. And then courtesans were permitted to own their own property, go out in public, dress as they pleased. Bejeweled. Exactly. (laughs) So the women who were wives saw that and they were like, wait a minute, we want that power. We're actually angry that we don't have that power. And so feminine was born out of the anger that started with the inspiration of these women who were living so large in time when that was not likely at all possible for women. 
but because feminine was born out of anger, the aspects of the feminine weren't what were retained. Uh, you know, when you're breaking through, it's not just a glass ceiling. It's like a cement ceiling. All you can do is use all your power to like break it open. So our early founding foremothers of the feminists, uh, Susan B. Anthony, uh, Lucretia Mott, all those early women who were Sojourner opening Truth. Sojourner, um, Harriet Tubman, all those women, they couldn't afford to pursue or even pay attention to the art of the feminine. They were breaking through the ceilings that all of us are benefiting from now. So anger is, was the legacy of feminism. And now I, I you know, that now that we have the capacity to pay attention to the majesty, the magic and the art of being a woman embodied and connecting to her sensual fire and her sensual source. And that was the secret of those courtesans. Every year I, I take a class to Paris and we'll go to this palace on the Champs-Élysées that was built by a woman who uh, was a courtesan and she came from an, a poverty in Russia, her name is Paiva, from poverty in Russia at age 17, ran away from home, ended up creating the largest palace on the Champs-Élysées that still stands with an onyx staircase and a bath that has hot and cold water, mule milk, and champagne as her taps. Like, she had the time. She had it going on. <laughs> she did. <laughs> so it was so inspiring. Not that every woman longs for that, but her imagination to imagine into something that was not existing for a woman. She was free to live into that. And it is so important for a woman to be able to dwell in the house of her desire because what it is that a woman desires when she's willing to stand inside that, and she can only stand in that from a life that is powered by pleasure, she can create and invent solutions and make things into existence that could never have existed before, you know, such as a New York Times bestselling book called Pussy or World Peace or companies that will elevate and expand our ability to survive as a species. It's phenomenal, the power of woman, she who gives life. Well, speaking of which, 1998 in a brownstone, mm -hmm. you, you, you heed the <laughs> Once call. Once upon a time. Once upon a time, you heed the call. And the call is? I recognized that um, women had no idea about pleasure and it was resulting in a lot of anger a lot of self-doubt, self-hatred, self-deprecation, a woman attacking herself, a woman not knowing how to create a true vibrant partnership with her man, a woman having no surplus in mothering her children, but rather feeling worn out, drained, worn to a thread. And I, I, I saw this happening, not just with women who were career and working mom, but I saw this happening with women that were full-time mothers. I didn't see a woman who was not completely wrung out and so stressed and so maxed. It's uh, an epidemic now where mm -hmm. women are just working and working and working and working and working and not balancing, not even knowing that that's possible or necessary. So I thought I have to do something to bring forward this conversation. I have to leave a legacy in this world. I have to have women understand who they are. And so I started the School of Womanly Arts. Uh, because I was a mama, I was I had just had a baby, I just thought, okay, I'll call it Mama Gina's School of Womanly Arts. And I, I had no idea it was gonna stick. I, <laughs> I, I was writing different courses all the time then. As things happen, I had some people who were in the arts or uh, taking the classes or models or actors and things like that. and. Somebody mentioned me in a Vanity Fair article, and the next thing I knew was Alex Witchell from the New York Times came to write his piece on me that was front page in the style section. So the school was maybe a year or two old, and I got 
12 book offers to write my first book and it just became a media I don't know everybody wanted to talk to me about the school of womanly arts and so I went from a tiny 12 person class to now my I have I just did an event at the Javits Center for a couple thousand women. Wow, I didn't realize it was the Javits. So that's, I also just want to give a little snapshot. What's the experience of coming to the School of Womanly Arts? Ha. <laughs> it is um, the greatest education for a woman on this planet, which means it's both terrifying and irresistible. For a woman. Women come to the school primarily because they've had a friend or they've read the book or they've seen me and there's something that's not intellectual that provokes them. It's almost like a calling and an intuition gets awakened in them that they must open doorways that have not yet been opened for them. They're realizing the limitation of what the culture has right. taught them about being a woman. Coming to the School of Women in the Arts changes everything. Why? Because it teaches a woman to value herself in a way she has never been valued. It teaches a woman to speak for herself in a way she's never... First of all, she has to make a commitment of going and spending a weekend and doing something oh my for gosh. herself, right? And, That's... Which, for <laughs> most women, they have never done that. Right. They've lived their lives in service to other people right. or obligations but have never given themselves a weekend to really pursue what it is, what do I want? Mm -hmm. What do I long for? What would light me up? What would bring me joy? How can I surrender to loving my emotional craziness or my emotional range? How can I learn to really locate what it is that I was put on this planet to do with this life? What's my legend? And then how can I live it? And then just to have that spark of thinking, is it possible? Is it possible for me? Could I have, you know? Yeah. Because I think sometimes we just settle in. Yeah, because there's so many people that have so many expectations of us and for us. You know, our parents want us to do certain things to be successful or to demonstrate to them that they've been effective or are, you know, following what the culture has as expectations for women is very often quite limiting uh, and crushes a woman's dreams and desires rather than expands them. So the school is really for a woman who wants more and she just feels like she is more than this. And she wants to find out what is that and then live that. I have women who come to the school because they feel like they haven't been valued at their job. Maybe they like their job. They love their job, but they haven't stood for being financially compensated for the work that they're delivering. Or maybe it's a woman who wants to, she's got a book in her she needs to write or some kind of business she wants to launch, or maybe she's in a marriage that's dead end and she wants to know if she should complete the marriage or find a way to revitalize it. Or maybe she spent so much time on her career, she hasn't found love and she doesn't know how to open that soft side of longing and attraction and desire inside of her. Or maybe she wants a baby, you know, women who long, come to the School of Womanly Arts mm. and find oh so much more than that and find sisterhood. Well, and the energy in that room mm -hmm. must be absolutely incredible. Woo. You know, we had this amazing experience because we with at the Javits Center because I'd not done an event that was that huge before and I wondered what that how that would be. The energy of women. How big was it, by the way? It was a couple thousand wow. people. Wow. We we had just women being in the presence of other women, they were so excited. I would come into the room and people would already be dancing in the aisles because we were just so thrilled to be together and honoring an aspect of the feminine that it hasn't commonly been honored or... And even. holding space for each other. Yeah, exactly. And hearing each other's stories, which is so key to have a woman story, where she's come from. Mm -hmm. Because most women have had abuse, they've been ignored, they've been overlooked, it's either 
physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. Stuff it down, stuff it down, stuff it down. We don't talk about it. Exactly. Right. And here is a place where we want to celebrate every side of you. Right. Every side is honored. And her voice is necessary and essential for this world to evolve. So it's, uh, they're extraordinary. The energy is, beyond. there's so much. Fun is not the right word. It's profound, glorious, moving, ecstatic, poetic, uh, just... Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I was reading, reading the book, I thought, I have got to go. I have got to attend it. You know, this week is, uh, it's my birthday. And birthday. thank you. It's birthday week. But I had so much fun because yesterday I decided I'm having a small dinner with my favorite women. And I got on Amazon last night and I ordered seven copies of this book. And so I'm good. gifting this to everyone at the dinner table Wow! for my birthday because I think it's so important. Thank you. Uh, it's such an important conversation and it's a diverse group. Mm -hmm. And even when I was reading the book and I've seen um, some videos and, and looked at your site, which is absolutely beautiful, you really serve an incredibly diverse population you know of, of women. You know it. That is so true. People always comment to me. They're like, this is the most diverse room that I have ever seen. And it's diverse in every way. It's diverse in age. I won't take anyone younger than 18, but I have a lot of moms sending me their daughters or vice versa, daughters who come and then they bring me their mamas their moms, yeah. or their grandmas. Right. I have my mom who's 92 who helps. She works for me and Wonderful. she assists because sometimes the content of the class can be emotionally moving and uh, stirring and you need to sit next to a grandma and just have a rocker you in her arms for a little while. Some, uh, we have women of diverse economic backgrounds driving from the burbs in their station wagon or saving their cash in their change jar after they bartend downtown in New York City or half the classes from Europe or all over the country. Uh, it's uh, you know, women of all colors, ages, sizes, all of us longing to live the fullness of who we were born to live. And I also love this because with women and what we've accepted in this patriarchal cultures, we've sort of downloaded this, uh, you know, terrible belief that we see each other as other. Yeah. You're going to take my man. You're going to mm -hmm. take my job. Mm -hmm. Again, that sort of plays into the, mm -hmm. there's not enough. Mm -hmm. And so this also is a place where that just kind of rescripts. Melts away. Melts that all away. Part of the content of the class is talking about sisterhood and reframing what it means to stand in sisterhood. Because it's my dream, and I know it's possible. My dream is to live in a world where every woman who looks another woman in the eye sees sister and stands for sister. And wherever she lives, whatever country she is from, whatever her background, whatever her circumstance right now, we are all sisters. When we live that way, we elevate. There is no question, there is no doubt, there is no difference. We are all sisters and that is a different place to stand in your life that is not just personally gratifying, but elevates the conversation of what it means that's, to be that's a, a human practice being. of service you know the it. right kind of service you know right? well you you cracked me open in that final chapter i mean spoiler alert i mean just <laughs> I, I am a woman who loves women i have wonderful girlfriends and i revere those friendships but i think we can all bring some more consciousness here yeah. and and we can do better yeah. and there's the quote that I have to read, and this speaks to the power of the sister, the goddess-sister activism, right? Yeah. A sister goddess promises to see sister every time she looks in another woman's eyes. She knows that no matter if she is under a burqa in Afghanistan, sitting in a lounge chair at the Beverly Hills Hotel, crawling through rubble of a recent bombing in Syria, setting her foot on a red carpet in Cannes, cleaning a bathroom, running a board meeting at a Fortune 500 company. Every woman on this planet is her sister, and every woman on this planet is a goddess. Yeah. And I just cried when I read that. And just thank you for that. 
Yeah, thank you so much for choosing that. I think that that is uh, women, it is our intuition. We can't escape from the fact that we want, as soon as we have, we want it better mm-hmm. for our sisters. And I know that can happen in this lifetime. I know it can happen that fast. Well, I've also witnessed it with women who have gone through your school and your mastery. And, and I'll tell you why it's a beautiful thing as a woman's success, as she rises in her success, those women, those sister goddess activists, they've got one arm back. That is right. And they're pulling someone. That is right. That is right. And it is so evident. And I have had, I have Mm -hmm. been the recipient of those arms and I want to be, I want to do the same. Yes. And that's the, and so on and mm-hmm. so on. And it is a beautiful thing. And we do have the power to make that happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because everyone can reach that arm back and there's going to be a sister there That's right. to pull forward. That's right. And there's no greater pleasure actually than standing for another woman in that way. And the difference is that we are standing powerfully in our pleasure first mm-hmm. so that that reach back is not from a sense of emptiness or mutual victimization. Right. We're feeling like, oh, it's a terrible world and I need to cling to you. Right. We're saying, I am magnificent. And so we're And here. we are in the act of recreating this world. And I want you to experience your magnificence too. So come on up here, baby. Yeah, that's what I love. I want you to, to experience your magnificence. And what happens is, as a result of that, is something that is so incredible. Because you stepping into your radiance in the most powerful way that you could step into your radiance, you create light for me to step into mine. And then I'm able to step into a bigger version of myself because of you stepping into a bigger version of yourself. So it's not women shrinking to all be sisters. It's each of us expanding. Right. It's not commiserating. Exactly. Right. It's taking us each to an unknown place where our voices are heard, valued, honored, We are each living the legend we were born to live and making more space for other women to live theirs. And it's as simple as walking down the street. I was thinking about this all the time. You know, women cut each other down. You know, they walk down the street and it's kind Mm -hmm. of like, huh, oh yeah, whatever. You know, it's like walking down the street, owning it and saying, Mm -hmm. oh, she looks hot. Girl, you Mm -hmm. look great today. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It doesn't even have to be an exchange. It's an energetic, it's a... Yeah. And that is living as a woman turned on, Mm -hmm. turned onto her power, turned onto her voice, turned onto her body, turned onto her sensuality, turned onto her impact, turned onto the privilege of being a woman. Mm -hmm. And that turns on other women. Because if you think about it, the reverse happens. If you're filled with self-doubt, you're turning everyone on to self-doubt. But if you're filled with radiance, then what you're doing is reclaiming not only your space in the world, but igniting other women to reclaim theirs. Right. It's good. It's good stuff. (laughs) Well, so it's no surprise to me that Dr. Christian Northrup said, Regina is a woman whisperer. (laughs) And she will wrestle a woman to the ground if need be to get her to give up her resistance and to own her desires and her pleasure. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there's 400 other things I'd love to address with you, but I just want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for this wonderful book. I want to thank you for going there. I want to, I want to thank you for owning it. I want to thank you for the school and for all the women that you impact and all the future women that mm. you're going to impact. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I have to come give you a hug. Oh. <laughs> And I do want to ask you one final, yep. final uh, question. What's the Mama Gina dream now? I mean, what's your what's your vision for yourself right now for for the women you know mm-hmm. and for the women to come? Ooh, it's a beautiful question. My vision for myself personally is I uh, I am in a new partnership with an incredible man. I love him so much. I could just like cry. I have found this guy. He's just amazing. And so for me, it's settling deeper and deeper into that love and that partnership and and expanding that. 
And from that spot, I feel so nourished and so loved. I feel like it's already fuels me with even more of a space of generosity and uh, power to stand for women and in an even bigger way because I'm being stood for so profoundly. So I'm so looking forward to experiencing the spillover of that inside the work I do. I would love for the school to continue to grow in the graceful way that it's growing and for pussy to get into the hands of millions and millions of women. Well, I'm taking care of seven on Thursday. <laughs> Thank you. You know, just for yeah. more, more of us to connect and stand in our radiance and continue to light up this magnificent world and we live in. connect to this pleasure source. Mm -hmm. To live radiant lives. Yes, it is the only way. It's the only way. And it's so... Thank you for giving me a chance oh, to thank you. Uh, you know, be with your audience and connect with your women. It's, I so deeply appreciate that. Well, we are so honored to be here with you today. Yeah, thanks. thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Learn more at bestselfmedia.com.